Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. Now, I wouldn't say that I was lost, mainly because the island I was on was only a mile and a half wide and not more than five miles long. And in truth, the island had no trees, so I'd prefer not to use the word lost, but rather confused. (laughs) Several years ago, I found myself on the island of Iona. It's an island off the northwest coast of Scotland, and you don't really find yourself, Iona. You take quite a journey through a wilderness to get there. There are more sheep on this island than people. There's grassland and cliffs and extraordinary beaches. It is a thin place in the Christian tradition. Followers of Jesus have been taking pilgrimage to Iona for centuries, beginning with St. Columba, who came over from Ireland, found a place of refuge, and from this thin place, this holy place, it would become a light to illuminate a growingly dark and dim continent of Europe during what we would call the Dark Ages. So yes, if you want to find yourself an Iona, You've got to be willing to take the trek. Well, I had done my research. I had a guidebook, in fact, in hand as I left the place that I was staying there on the island to go and to meander with a purpose around the island. As I began, it was a beautiful, glorious day. I could see the ocean. I could hear the waves. But I was trying to get to the westernmost part of the island, St. Columbus Bay. Uh pebble-strewn beach with crystal clear blue water with a view back to Ireland. That's where I was going. That was my destination. But first, I had to negotiate grasslands, grass that came well up over my hip and um, my waist. And and the ground, I would find out, was bog-like very familiar, of course, to the United Kingdom and Ireland, but not so much for us unless you're down in some marshy parts of the lowlands. So I increasingly was wet and a bit lost, I mean confused, because there were so many different paths. I had a journal with me, and this is what I remember writing about the moment, trying to find my way to the other side of the island. I wrote, the path is nearly non-existent, either that or there are a number of competing sheep paths. The ground is boggy and my feet are wet. I'm grateful for the wool socks I'm wearing. Finally, after consulting with my compass and my map, I find this very nice trail marker. It would have been nice to have had these along the way. Suppose you have to keep trudging through and making your way until you get clear direction. You see, as I meandered on these 
paths in the grassland, I kept seeing where I needed to be. It was just a rise. It was just there. I, I swear it was not more than 15 or 20 yards. But by the time I meandered over this little ravine down, it got more wet, stepped over a rock. I went calf deep in mud just to get to where I thought I needed to be. I just I saw another one. I'd make my way there, and, and then I'd, I'd find another. That has to be it. That has to be the rise that will lead me down to the beach. This continued for much longer than I want to admit. Every spot that I could identify on the horizon felt like the destination itself, but y'all, it was just a mirage. It was just wishful thinking. It wasn't the end of my journey. Jesus' reception in Jerusalem feels like a mirage. We know, of course, as we read the Gospels, that Jesus had been on his way through a wilderness. He was on his way to something grand. That's why I believe people wanted to follow him. They wanted to be beside him because they believed that as king, as Messiah, he was going to be the one to bring about a political answer to their fears and anxieties and laments. Jesus was on his way somewhere. But from our vantage point, Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem as, as a long-awaited king and messiah seems like that destination, that hoped-for place of coming into Jerusalem and being welcomed as he should as a king. Come on, y'all. Come into the streets. Let's welcome Jesus. He's finally here. The moment we've been waiting for has arrived. But Palm Sunday is an illusion, isn't it? Jesus' grand arrival into Jerusalem is not a destination. It's an aberration. Praise King Jesus who comes in the name of the Lord. Now let's kill him. Jesus is welcomed into Jerusalem as a king. And five days later, he'll be a victim to a fickle crowd. In five days, he will be derided as a king of the Jews as he is murdered on a tree. Reading this passage, we'll be forgiven for getting our hopes up only to have them dashed by what the rest of this week will entail. It's disheartening when our hopes are but a mirage, but an illusion. I have a hunch that you know something about that, of being on a wilderness trail, of finding something that certainly looks good, feels good, seems like a good fit. Perhaps it's the answer to your prayers, you think, a medical strategy, a breakthrough. This will certainly feel better, you think. Maybe it's been a relationship. Someone, 
checks off all the boxes. The time is right. Certainly, this is the destination. Or maybe it's a job. You ran the gauntlet of all the interviews. You've made it. This has to be it. This is what I expected and what I hoped for. And then we read this story and we find out our experience may not be the only one like this. For we know that Jesus' arrival, this triumphal entry as it's known, is no coronation. We learn soon enough that Jesus is not this people's king. The people don't get it. The people don't get him. Instead, Jesus' arrival on the scene reveals that the worst is yet to come. Chief among them is Jesus' disappointment with his own people. What was it that Jesus said? It's this beautiful vista, and he sees Jerusalem, and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that, that kills prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How, how often I've desired to gather you, your children, as a, as a hen gathers its brood. Jesus wasn't just being dramatic. This was a lament for what he knew in his heart was going to be the result of his best intentions, of this place on the journey, what he had wished for and was not going to come to pass. Do you know something about that? Jesus will be betrayed this week. Jesus will be abandoned by his friends this week. Peter will be, Peter will ghost his friend Jesus this week. Peter, the rock, will say that he doesn't know Jesus three times this week. I genuinely hope it's not the case, but I suspect you can empathize with this overwhelming sense of rejection that Jesus experiences this week. Jesus will be murdered this week. So make no mistake. Palm Sunday is but a mirage, an illusion. Even so, I, I believe that Jesus still held out hope that it would end differently. Remember, Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane reveals that Jesus didn't have a death wish. I don't believe that Jesus wanted to be a martyr. His prayer proves it. Take this cup from me, he prays. I don't want it. I know what it entails. I don't want this. I don't want to be on this path anymore. Please, friends, stay awake. This moment is impossible for me. I don't want what's coming. I don't want to see what's around the bend. I want to linger in the moment of Palm Sunday, even if it is but a mirage. But he also prays the prayer, but not my will, God, but yours. And with his triumphant, triumphal, 
arrival into Jerusalem, Jesus gets a glimpse of what might have been Jerusalem. Jerusalem. I wanted to embrace you, and yet you will stone those who speak truth in your midst. Because we have been wearied by the journey, the mirages we see are born out of a distortion, even a perversion of our hopes. You can see how this is problematic, can't you? When we're thirsty, we see things that can quench our thirst. When we're hot, we see things that can offer us shade. When we're in pain, we see things that can relieve our pain. When we're lonely, we see people as being able to fill a void. When we've been in the wilderness for as long as we have, we become so desperate for a future that we'll settle for a fantasy that we know that is just plain wrong. There's a warning here for us as we continue along the path. And the difference between a mirage and a lasting hope is that a mirage teases us with a destination that comes too easily, that is purchased at too small a price. Yo, when the way becomes too easy, we should be careful and wary of what comes next and is what and what is demanded of us in that moment. The path of least resistance truly is a paved highway with half a dozen lanes. Jesus knew that the path would be hard, perilous even. And it's wise for us to come to that conclusion ourselves. In light of the ease of Jesus being heralded as a king, Jesus' words earlier make a lot more sense. Listen to it. If any want to become my followers, Jesus says, let them deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their lives, they'll lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? Jesus knows that in this world, in our lives, on the path, there are mirages, there are illusions that will tempt us and tease us to a, a way forward that's easier. And it is so seductive to want to just stay there, to find comfort in that which feels better than our current reality. But think about it. Don't we want a guide in the wilderness who's been where he's leading us? And don't we want a guide who will tell us the truth about ourselves and the world around us? You know, I think the reason that they turned on Jesus was because they were not content with Jesus being a king. Now, that wasn't good enough. The people wanted to be kings alongside Jesus. Come on, Jesus. When you come into your power, when you, when you come into Jerusalem, when you are finally the Messiah we want you to be, can I be on your left and your right? Who's it going to be? Is it, is it my brother on the left or me on the right? It doesn't matter, but we want to be with you in your power. 
No. I think our grand fantasy is that we want Jesus to be our own puppet king and ask him to do whatever it is we wish. I mean, that's the ultimate illusion, isn't it? If you think about it, that is the root of sin where we want to be our own God, even better, where we are God. That's the ultimate illusion. That Jesus exists to make our dreams come true. You know, Jesus would make a fine genie. Where's that bottle I can rub? It's a mirage, folks. It's not real. But Jesus knows something that we don't. Resurrection and redemption come through long-suffering Resurrection and redemption come through death, a very difficult path. And that's okay because God is that kind of powerful. Jesus knows that our hopes can't be resurrected if they're not dead. Yes, the worst is yet to come, but so is the best. But we're getting ahead of ourselves, aren't we? The path before us is hard. The week ahead is full of truths we don't want to face. If you think otherwise, if someone suggests that life is but donkey rides and palm branches and accolades, well, y'all, somebody's trying to sell you something. The path through the wilderness may just cost us our lives, our plans, our dreams, Truly, the way of Jesus is a costly venture. So don't be fooled by the palm branches. Something in us is going to have to die so that we can find new life in Christ. Let us pray. God, the week ahead is, is, is going to be hard. And that's without us even walking with you. We've got things to do that we've not done. There are places that we have to be that we don't want to be. There's work to do that we don't want to do. There are realities that we've got to face that we've been avoiding and denying. There's grief to continue grieving. There's lament that we know we need to sing. So yes, God, this next week is going to be hard. Forgive us, God, for being so focused on our own part of the journey that we forget that we're following you and that your path is inestimably harder than ours. And yet in traveling alongside you, we learn more about ourselves, about you, and about what is to come. So our prayer is simple, God, and that is that we stay close to you this week, that we breathe the same air you breathe we eat the same bread and drink from the same cup that you offer. 
We pray, God, that we'll be close enough to you so that we know our own role in crying crucify. We pray, God, that as we walk this path, that you might kill the things that need to be killed so that you might resurrect us to newness of life. Truly, God, next Sunday cannot come soon enough. Amen.